Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Good morning or happy Wednesday, however you would choose the greeting for the day. It's good to be able to speak to all of you and to continue with the theme in the series on the imitation of Christ or of following Jesus. I thought I would just begin by talking about why I wanted to do a series on following Jesus. It's not sort of an arcane effort in exegetical ingenuity, whatever that means. <laughs> but scripture is very clear to us. It says that we have been called for this. Christ Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. For the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, the other was 1 Peter 2.21, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, one says, be imitators of me even as I am of Christ. So we have a calling from God to imitate the Lord Jesus, see him as our model, learn from him, and live life in a way that God would want us to live. If Christ were in my place, how would he respond? So in fact, they used to be popular sometime, even as uh, armbands, you know, WWJD. Um, what would Jesus do is a question really we should always ask. Our passage today is, is an important one uh, from which we should draw a lesson or lessons in Hebrews chapter 5. Particularly in verse 8, it tells us that although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which, or through the things which he suffered. Christ was God's son, is God's son, yet he became man and came into our world to live a life in obedience to the will of the Father. He learned obedience, it says, through the things that he suffered. And being made perfect became the author of eternal salvation to all that who would obey him. Sometimes, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, when we speak to Christians saying, we should imitate the example of Jesus, especially if you know, two guys are fighting. And you say, what would Jesus do? One of them, probably the offender, would say, but he was God. I can't be like him because he was God. And that is not an example given to us or a response allowed us in the light of many scriptures. You know, there are several places um, you would have to consider. I remember once responding this way. There was a teacher on evangelism, a coach. He had come and was coaching us how to evangelize, and I had an attitude to begin with. So, uh, so he was telling us, you know, how did the Lord Jesus speak to the woman at the well? And I responded, but 
he could he knew her life we are not privy to that kind of information right when if you meet a stranger on the on the sidewalk and want to share the gospel you don't know what where they're coming from or what they just did it's true it's true there are things about the lord in how he lived on earth and what he did that we cannot fully partake of at the same time there are many things to be learned about how the lord did interact with that woman at the well so there are things to be learned how what we can do we can imitate a central fact about the person of the lord jesus is that he is both fully god and fully man and that is in this passage although he was son he became obedient although he was son he learned obedience the book of hebrews begins with the sonship of the lord god who in time past spoke to the fathers through the prophets bit by bit and here and there through visions etc has in at the, at the end of the days of those spoken to us in one who is son what does it mean he is son he is the brightness of his glory he is the exact representation of his person who upholds all things by his powerful word if you could make an image of god if you could imprint it if you could represent it it would look like jesus he truly was of the nature and image of the father he fully is and was god at the same time he also became a man a man who came onto this scene to live a life in full and complete obedience to his father so in in the passage in hebrews the, the sum and substance of of the argument here is this christ is a compassionate high priest how is he a compassionate high priest how can i appreciate that he has compassion for me because he has gone through our kind of experience he has been here he has gone through the things that you also suffer he has gone through human experience fully although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered our passage says that he learned obedience in uh, if i may read the passage a larger portion of it with skipping some consequently the author of hebrew says when christ came into the world he said behold i have come to do your will o god as it is written of me in the scroll of the book and he repeats as he added behold i have come to do your will o god christ came into this world with the explicit purpose and intent of doing what was pleasing to god i will put it actually even more like this to be a human is to be in a place where our choice in life ought to be to do the will of god to be a human is to really to be in a place of one who should seek after and carry out the will of god the the uh, various um um confessions and others have this ingredient in them um that the whole end of man what's achievement of man 
to glorify God. But what, to me what this implies is this. We are created beings with a maker and a design. I did not make myself. God made me. God made me. It's a design to me and there's a purpose to me. And I should live according to that design. That is the purpose for my being. God made me and I should fulfill the design and the purpose that he had for me. Now sin has thrown a monkey wrench into the inner workings of the soul and in the workings of the body. The gospel then is the means of restoration from this mess. And it's the power of God, the gospel of, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God not only to get us into heaven one day, but one that transforms us through our yielding to God to walk by the Spirit who indwells us. Let me say things a little more simply. What does it mean? Christ learned obedience. Was there a moment in Jesus' life when he didn't want to obey the will of God? That he had to be forced to learn to do the will of God? No, it certainly does not mean that. What, does, what it does mean is that he actually went through the experience of seeking and doing fully, carrying out what the Father had set out for him to do. And that included things that were not pleasant. That included suffering. And this is where we find our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Going to the cross was not a pleasant experience for him to go to, but that was the purpose for which he came. And our Lord was fully obedient to the will of the Father. It was unpleasant, but he still accepted it because he came to do his Father's will. This was the purpose with which he came. So there was no resistance, but it does mean active choice, that I will choose what is pleasing to God. The Father's will set the agenda for what he would do with his life. In John 8.29, for example, the Lord says, He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Christ has set for us the example of absolute and total obedience to the will of God. And we come before God and should say, I choose to obey. Now, there was a time when I was your age, my thought would have been more like, hmm, what are the limits? What can I get away and not incur the wrath of God. This is sort of a modus operandi, the mode of living, right? What, what, how, how, how far can I push the envelope? You know, what can I get away with and not be in danger of hell? Last night, um, as I was folding my socks <coughs> out of the dryer, uh, a, a, a chorus that had been stored away in my memory for decades suddenly popped out. It, it went like this, I found happiness, I found peace of mind, I found the joy of living. Join in if you know it. Perfect love sublime, I found real contentment, happy living in accord. I found happiness all the time, wonderful peace of mind. When I found the Lord, you can say I'm excited. <coughs> 
And there was, when we used to sing this, this was way back when I think the Gaithers popularized this, I would have listened to this song and said, ooh, right? happiness all the time, wonderful peace of mind all the time, syrupy, uh. I was wondering when this actually changed, though. I wouldn't still go around singing that song. I think it just came naturally to me. I was happy. All my socks were there. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a different perspective to life that I have now than I did at one time. And that, changed, that change came about when I consciously and intentionally chose to follow the will of God. When I purposed in my life that the one thing I wanted to do with it is what God wanted me to do. To seek God, to know Him, and to do what is pleasing to Him. So it is actually much more true in my life today that I'm, I'm happy most of the time that the gospel, and it really has nothing to do with circumstances at all. It doesn't have to do with there are other difficulties or challenges before me or really enduring issues of concern and grief that persist. But a commitment to seek the living and true God and to do His will, it is transformative. It is transformative for the soul it changes your perspective of life. And this is the path on which our Lord traveled. <clears throat> what is the Father's purpose for me? His path was set. So in Mark's, in Matthew and Mark, Matthew 26, 24, Mark 14, 21, the Lord says, the Son of Man is to go as has been written of him. The path of the Messiah was clear. And this path actually meant that he must first suffer before he entered his glory. That was actually what was written about him. And he had to do that. He came to do that. He came fully knowing this was before him. But that experience was true and real. When Christ suffered hunger, he actually suffered hunger. It was not make-believe. When he was tired, he was actually tired. In the garden, he felt lonely. So these things were true about him. And the cross was nothing pleasant. But he chose it. Why? Because this was the path for the human being. So Philippians, for example, teaches us this, this ultimate reality, although he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to seize, something to be grabbed, but he emptied himself, and what happened? He was, took upon the form of a servant. And what is that form? Being found in fashion as a man. So the, you are in the shape of a human being, that is the role of being a servant to God, one who should be constantly, consistently be committed to pleasing what your Creator and now Redeemer has purposed for you. We are, in fact, the gospel, part of my joys, to kind of 
because what's the true feeling, I don't know, to your students in the transformation class to kind of needle you with the fact that the, the gospel does include a purpose of righteous living. Sometimes we think the gospel is a ticket to heaven, only no, we are created for good works. We were dead, right? But, and by grace, you are saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the work of God. It is the gift of God, um, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are his workmanship. What's the next phrase? Created for good works, which he has already purposed that we should walk in them. It's part of the call of the gospel is to live for God, to live righteously. And that's not the only passage that speaks of this. It's the grace of God that brings salvation, which simultaneously instructs us to deny ungodliness and unrighteousness. To be a human being is to be in the role of a servant of God. Now, sin makes us blind to this. We are in darkness and we wander about not knowing and the deception, deception of Satan still tells us that, you know, you don't have to listen to him. You can be like him. You can decide good and evil for yourself, you know. You don't have to listen to him say this is wrong and this is right. You can choose it. Define your own right and wrong because you will be like God was the deception that came at the beginning. And that is still a deception. God is God. What we think about him does not change him at all. Something is not true because I believe it. Something is not false because I disbelieve it. Your obligation and my wisdom is to find out what is true and to embrace it wholeheartedly. And ultimately, your life and my life will be judged, assessed, valued when we stand before our righteous judge and creator in the light of what he has said, in the light of truth. All these other opinions, they won't be relevant. All the things that gave us false confidence, they will have disappeared. Only God and his word, his truth will be there and we answer to him. Christ came to do the will of the Father. What about you and me? We are in the realm of many free choices in life. Christ went through his life as it was written of him. I don't know what is written about me. You don't know what has been written about you. There is not written here except in terms of general wisdom about right and wrong. So there is a will of God in the scriptures for you. What is acceptable? What is good? What is perfect? These things we ought to choose. That is God's will for me. And once I choose those, the things outside of my control, they are outside of my control. I should choose what is approved by God consistently in every choice of life, and what's outside of my control? Well, God will take care of it. I should trust him for that. Isn't that interesting that when God sent his son into the world, suffering 
was part of his experience. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. In the original creation, there was no role or purpose for suffering, but there is suffering now. And there is a purpose even for suffering. In this fallen world, suffering teaches us both the grace of God and enables us to be channels of grace to others. Christ went through suffering and being made perfect, meaning having completed, fulfilled his calling, having fulfilled his task, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Salvation to all who obey him. Christ suffered to bring us salvation. I am to imitate the Lord Jesus. Our Lord was completely committed to the will of the Father. And if I am to imitate him, it means I should be completely committed to the will of the Father. I don't know what kind of challenges you are suffering in life. Maybe some of it may be small, trivial stuff, yielding to your RAs maybe. Have you thought about the Lord Jesus yielding to Mary and Joseph, even when they did not know everything? So our Lord comes into this world, takes a place of submission, even to teach us that there is nothing inherently wrong in submission. That if God has designed particular human roles, one for to lead and one to submit, that is not intrinsically wrong. Our Lord, who is God, came and lived a life of submission to the will of the Father. And that should be acceptable, even to the submission of earthly authorities, of parents, of those in Israel, of even the government that put him to death. So we must not really resist these, but in fear of God, yield to the authorities, whether it be student life, whether it be your faculty who are asking you to do things as part of your study, whether it be governmental authorities, if your parents, if you are still their dependents, in all of these we should submit to the authorities that God has ordained, but ultimately to the authority of our Lord. If you are going through your Christian experience today, not wanting to really do what Scripture is asking you to, to flout restrictions or guidelines, to kind of push, you know, live on the edge, so to speak, of what is ethically right before God. The proper thing to do is simply come before God and make the commitment to yield yourself to Him. So it's all, all the old hymn which says, all to Jesus I surrender. And she say, all to, so him says him, we'll change it to a second person. All to Jesus I surrender, all to you I freely give. I will ever love and trust you in your presence daily live. I surrender all. All to you my blessed Savior, I surrender all. May the Lord give you this grace because that is the true path to happiness, to find happiness all the time, harmony so divine.
since you found the Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we give you, you thanks for our Lord, about whom Scripture says that he learned obedience through the things he suffered and being made perfect, became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. We thank you for him. We also thank you for his model and example that we should walk in his steps, imitate him, be obedient to your will, to seek it and to do it. Grant us this blessing, grant us yielding, submissive hearts that would seek to please you in all things. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.